0: and salutations, my friends. I hope you're doing well today. I say this every time we start our show. You know, that's my wish for you every day. I wake up and I think, God, I hope the planet's doing good today and we're doing good things, loving on each other and walking down a good path and just kind of stop all the craziness that we keep thinking about and reading about and go, God, maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe we should lean away from it because I don't think it's working. I am super thrilled with my guest today. Y'all know who's here. Sixth time, six, Jenny, sixth time you've been on my show, Sixth, she is leading the pack big time. We're going to talk about the NOP, the USDA, Atlanta, Georgia, and the NOSB meeting. I don't know what else we're going to talk about. We're going to get into Jenny's mailbags. we got a few letters in here that Jenny's going to talk about. We're going to have a great time today. Please, everybody, give it up for our very special friend, one in a million people in my life that I just enjoy talking to. I just dig her to death. Please welcome the Deputy Administrator of AMS, National Organic Program, whatever acronyms you want to throw over. Please welcome Dr. Jennifer Tucker. Welcome, Jenny.
1: Todd, it is great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It's always good to be able to talk to you and the community.
0: Uh, It's an absolute honor. You know that, and you know how important your work is and how much I appreciate what you do. And as I do every one of our broadcasts, I'm going six for six unless, Jenny, I'm not starting this without thanking you and every single person at the NOP and every single person that serves our country every day that shows up Monday through Friday, working their butts off for a better America that go through administration after administration and changes and curveballs and sliders and all the different things you deal with. But every day you show up and you serve and uh, you all don't get enough thanks. So before we do anything, that's an important thing for me to give to you. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for your service.
1: Todd, that always means a lot to me and my team here. So thank you so much. And we thank you for uh, inviting us into your world here.
0: Absolutely, oh, my world. So that's, that's you very be careful when you're saying that, Jay. That's a very slippery slope if you want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you here. we got a lot to talk about. Let's get rock and roll. But as we do, let's get everybody up to speed. Would you please introduce yourself a little bit? Tell everybody what you are, what's your journey, what you're doing in, in the world of acronyms.
1: All righty. So hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Jenny Tucker. I am what's called the Deputy Administrator of the National Organic Program. Uh, We are a program within AMS, acronym number two, Agricultural Marketing Service, which is part of USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture. So uh, Deputy Administrator simply means that I lead uh, the NOP. uh, Government titles are always a little bit of a Uh, odd thing. Uh, So I have been leading the NOP, it'll be five years uh, come this June, but I've been with the program now for more than a decade. So it has been uh, fabulous to watch the program continue to grow and expand alongside um, this great industry. So it's uh, great to every few months come and connect with you on where we are together.
0: I love it. Absolutely. Well, let's get everybody up to speed for those those first-timers, some newbies out there in the world. If you wouldn't mind, just give us a quick 411. What is the National Organic Program and how does it work?
1: We are the regulatory program that oversees organic agriculture in the United States and is truly a global program because there are farms and businesses around the world that are certified to the USDA organic standards. We're also the... Public part of what's called a public private partnership of organic certification, which means that we oversee uh, third party certifiers who are going out and certifying organic farms and businesses. So there's a whole network of entities that are involved in defining the organic standards and then upholding them. And the certifier is an important part of that. Today, I think we'll talk about a National Organic Standards Board, which is another very important entity whereby volunteers uh, come and advise USDA on what the organic standards should be and how the program should continuously improve. So there are many parts of the organic uh, public-private uh, partnership and network um, that make it the robust community that uh, that it is and that we're talking about today.
0: Absolutely. Well, the NOSB does a big lift. They do a lot of work. Those, that, that is a That is a volunteer job. That is a Big big lift, and and those folks should be commended for what they do because that is not you ain't you ain't mailing that job in. That's not you not <laughs> you ain't doing thirty minutes a week with that. It ain't working. I don't care. It's, it's very much a
1: very much a working board. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent. But you know, I, I I've got to bring this up because I think this is one of the most important things that we will talk about today, and that's about the, the the issue of participation and why participation matters because you want people to participate. You are asking people to participate. You provide opportunity for people to participate, which we'll drill down to when we get into the NOSB part of the conversation. But I think it's really important that we touch on this first because we want to capture everybody's minds about what we're going to talk about and why and how they can be a part of it. Because I even run into people today that don't really realize that they have a voice within this system. I talked to somebody not too long ago. They were shocked. I'm like, here's what you need to do. So tell people, if you wouldn't mind, how important you know, participation is to you and your staff and and to the NOSB and to our community inside this industry.
1: The organic seal is such a unique construct because it is public. These standards are public. They are um, managed by the federal government, but everybody is involved and plays. And that reflects also the flip side of it is that we protect that seal that organic has a very clear defined meaning that's protected by the federal government, but if the federal government is going to control something like the organic seal everybody needs to be involved in contributing to what that means. So it's a really unique program in that if you're organic, you're getting the protection of the federal government, but you're also getting the right and the process to participate in what that seal means. And I think that's an incredibly precious example of how government can both be participatory, pull you in um, to be part of the problem and the solution, but then also protect you. So once you're in the game, we are here. Here for you and protecting that seal,
0: yeah, I think it's incredibly important, and it's 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 not like that everywhere inside of the government. It's a, it's a it's a unique model. Um, I want to get into a couple of issues before we start getting in because there's a couple of things. One of which I know is really close to your heart that we're going to get to in a second, but I can't have you here and not talk about. What has happened in January that the NOP has, fu- has published the final rule on strengthening the organic enforcement? I'm going to read a quote up here off the teleprompter here. And uh, uh, because I, I'll butcher it if I try to do it off the top of my head, I just, there's just too many words and there's acronyms involved. And you know what happens when I have, you know, you get me with acronyms, Jenny, you know, it's just that acronym Scrabble is not a good game at times. But it's, huh. the, it's the biggest change to the organic regulation since the creation of the National Organic Program. That's a big opening statement, kids. These rules close gaps in current regulations and build consistent certification practices to detect and prevent fraud, approve the transparency and traceability of organic products across the supply chain, protect organic integrity, and support continued growth of the organic marketplace. That's a big, bold statement. That's a big lift. That is not a small project. Y'all didn't do that on a Thursday. Trust me. So a couple couple questions to throw at you there. A, what is it? Let's get people up to speed a little bit about what it is. And then I want to talk a little bit more about its impact if we can.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Organic has been wildly successful Uh, and it's been, um, more than 20 years since the original set of regulations were published. And we've done rulemaking in the meantime. Um, but as the uh, industry has grown and expanded and increased its complexity, um, gaps have come up. Uh, where when they wrote the rules 20 years ago, they weren't thinking about certain circumstances because they hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're talking about worldwide, long, complex supply chains that no one was envisioning when they. Initial rules were written. And in our enforcement work, uh, we have discovered what works and what doesn't work and where our gaps are. So when we do an investigation, it's sort of like one of those uh, hour long procedural dramas on TV where right before the ad, it looks like the trail might be lost. We know where the trails are lost, and this rule helps to fill them. So as the world changes and businesses expand into new areas like organic, regulations need to change with it. And so that's what this really is. It's an update to the regulations to reflect a growing and very vibrant industry that needs to continue to be protected as it grows. And the current rules, just um, they just weren't quite there with today's reality. So it's, um, I think it's a, a wonderful opportunity for people outside the market to get involved um, and people who have been in the market, but not certified to get them under the certification banner.
0: Yeah. How, you know, one of the questions I have about it, which I always think about this about a lot of things, you know, how is this important to the organic community or the better yet, the organic consumer is a better word, right? What, what is, what is going to be the, the big thing? I mean, they're not going to know, you know, the average consumer is probably not going to notice any real difference, you know, at the store level. They might in some respect, but they're really not going to notice much difference, but it is going to matter to them. Can you talk a little bit about that how it's important to them?
1: Yeah, I think I use uh, um, pick a product in the grocery store that you uh, that you enjoy eating that maybe is in the cereal aisle or the granola aisle. Let's pick cereal. Okay. And so let's say you are a consumer and you're reaching out for that box of organic cereal. Well, in that organic cereal, you probably have some oat clusters and some raisins and some almonds and maybe some some chocolate and maybe even some of those really good yogurt covered um, whatever. Um, Every item in that box, if it's labeled as organic, um, all of those ingredients need to have come from a certified farm. So our vision with this rule is you should be able to take that box and we should be able to track every single one of those cereal components back to the farm that created it. Ultimately, organic products are about food production that works in concert with the environment, where the environment and ag are working hand in hand. But unless we're protecting that supply chain, you don't know that that happened. So we got to protect the supply chain for every single one of those ingredients. So they're shipped across the country. They go to a manufacturing facility. They're combined um, uh, from all over the world. You know, throw some cinnamon in there. It comes from another country. Don't you want to know? as a consumer, that I can trace that here in my little office in DC, we can trace that back to the farm it was uh, grown in so that you can know um, that that product was developed, emphasizing natural processes and in- ingredients with no GMOs, that soil health was supported, water quality was supported, biodiversity was supported, and that we can find all those ingredients back to the farm. I think that's a really cool concept and it's very unique uh, to uh, organics. So as a consumer, um, if I'm going to buy something with that organic seal, you can see it on the quilt in the back there i want to know uh that i can do that traceability that's what this rule is about
0: yeah i think it's incredibly important and i think you know i love the fact that we've you know we're pivoting because we're growing like weeds the world is now you know the world is a big part of the organic industry today um but something i have to come alongside and i think it's really important to, to point out is that integrity is the backbone of this industry um you know, having been around this industry for a very long time when there was no, there was none of this back then, right? It was, it was just, yeah, i was organic because i gave you the secret handshake type of a deal um there was those people right there was there, it was what it was integrity is all that you know I, I say this all the time integrity is really the, something that, that a person truly owns right and once you lose that it's really hard to get that back and so for us to put emphasis into integrity all through that supply chain on a global scale big undertaking for one but incredibly incredibly important on another so kudos to the work that was like i said you didn't do that on a thursday
1: yeah, integrity is such an interesting concept, because we talk about personal integrity. And then we also talk about supply chain integrity of making sure that all of those ingredients can be tracked across the supply chain. And the cool thing about it is organic is they work together is that personal integrity is ultimately what uh, links to system integrity. And it's all represented by that, that label. And so that's a, an incredibly cool and precious thing.
0: It is well. We got some. We actually got a, a a question about that for your mailbag later, so be ready. We got another one coming at you, but I'm, I'm going to save that till the end. You know, we'll have a little something at the end to be looking forward <laughs> to. I got to get into I got to get into a project I know is near and dear to your heart, and I you know I I because I got to do it because you're here, all right? You would be mad at me if I didn't bring this up. Can you talk a little bit about the human capital initiative? What it is? How's it going? You know, where it's going? Give us a quick update.
1: Yes, yeah, so the Human Capital Initiative has been uh, an ongoing project to help develop capacity and capability for the next generation of organic inspectors and reviewers, and even on-farm, uh, on-farm uh, staff, quality st- uh, a staff that's going to make sure in companies that all these rules are followed. Uh, we funded nine different organizations to do projects. We are now in the process of packaging all of those different projects, all the good work that came out of those. Uh, into de, um, into pr- work products that follow a roadmap. And so it's in the Organic Integrity Learning Center, we've launched our first kind of compilation of products that talks about, for example, if you wanted to start a mentoring program, how would you do it? So here are some um, instructions on how to set up a mentoring program. Here are all the different dynamics you should uh, think about. Um, and so we're packaging these different pieces for different audiences. If you're a university professor, and Maybe you're teaching sustainable ag and you want to do a module uh, on organic. Um, Here's a a roadmap on on how to do that. So the goal is really to infuse organic throughout both formal and informal uh, education programs so that, you know, 30 years from now when it's time to overhaul the regulations, uh, we'll overhaul them before that. But um, the idea would be that we'd have the, the future generations of organic professionals that are continue to be ready to support um, this uh, uh, dynamic field.
0: Yeah, well, it goes back to what we talked on earlier. It's about you know the opportunity to participate is there for the taking.
1: Yeah, right. you know, there's a wonderful video that one of the team members uh, created on. Uh, it's a, it's kind of an overview of um, recruiting for organic inspectors. And uh, one of the interviewers uh, interviewees in the video talks about um, how being an organic inspector is really an entry point into the broader uh, field of organic. And uh, the possibilities are really endless. Organic is such a microcosm of the entire food supply and all the different um, uh, different commodities, different processes. It's just that layer of um, uh, organic on top of a, a broader food system, but it's specialized enough that once you get into the field, there's just so many places you can go. And the Human Capital Initiative is designed to help people access and understand that roadmap.
0: I love it. I mean, again, I, as we said, folks, it's it's not hard to participate. You just got to Get on board to do it. And it is welcomed. Just think about it. It's welcome. They want you. They want yeah. you.
1: We do. But, we really do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, let's talk about the National Organic Standard Board meeting coming up uh, April 18th to the 27th in hot Atlanta, Georgia. Which will be an exciting place to have it. That's a great city. People will enjoy that. It's a fun place to be. Public comments for people, again, to participate and let your voice be heard. Let people understand what's concerning you or what have a, a topic out there that you it's passionate about. You have an opportunity to, to share what you believe in or where your heart lies on topics, which they want to hear you. Those are from uh, April 18th to the tw- and, and the 20th, not in between, not the 19th, the 18th and 20th. A lot of numbers in front of me, Jenny, you know, I have that public high school math coming out. I'm trying to have a hard time between 18 and 20 right now. <laughs> Don't ask me what's in the middle. I won't remember. <laughs> and then the actual public meetings, which is great because you all are going to be in person again, which is lovely, is going to be April 25th, 26th, and 27th. So it's exciting time. It's a great time to come together as an industry. It's a great time to talk about things that make people uncomfortable and talk about things that make people happy and talk about things that make people mad. But those are the way in civilized discourse is how we win the day for everybody. So share with me a little bit what's exciting, something you're looking forward to coming up.
1: So I think it'll be a great meeting. Like we did last time, we do plan to be both in-person and broadcast over Zoom. So for folks who are right. not able to travel to Atlanta, you uh, should be able to watch it uh, on online. I think it'll be a, an interesting meeting. The, the group will continue to talk about um, the climate smart um, agriculture uh, and organic, what that means and um, like kind of what's needed. I, they have a good uh, paper out there for uh, consideration uh, and uh, comment so they'll discuss that. And there are always a lot of national list conversations of uh, uh, items that might be um, considered for addition or removal for, from, from the list. So we'll have our two new members who were just uh, announced uh, recently who will join uh, the fold. Uh, and so we're looking forward to having uh, them be part of uh, the meeting.
0: That's exciting. It's, if, if you've not participated, it's worthy of your time. If you have the opportunity to be in person, it's actually a ton of fun um it's it's a really interesting process to understand what we talked about what participation means and how it works and to see the bomb. like you're literally changing the world of food by participating in this process that's a powerful Absolutely. statement that's it really statement. is
1: uh, to it's, understand how policy works um and to be at the table in its creation and then to see it go through the process uh, i think is a really precious uh, precious part of democracy
0: yeah, well, and I'll talk a little bit about climate smart because it's a hot topic. We got two of them. We're going we're gonna to talk climate smart. We'll circle around to regen, too, because that's where there's that's some conversation. But climate smart's a big deal, you know, because anybody, quote, unquote, could be climate smart, right? It's, it's a, it, What is it? We need to get it defined. We need to understand what it is. We need standards and rules for people to kind of play under because organic production may be climate smart, but not all climate smart production is organic. So it's like, where are we? How does it all fit? So how are we addressing organic farming and how the entire category fits into climate smart solutions at this point?
1: Yeah, there are so many things about organic that are climate smart. So I talked a little bit earlier about a sort of soil health and water quality. So water health, preserving, uh, conserving uh, resources, minimizing uh, the use of synthetics um, and uh, really working with the environment uh, to support biodiversity. All of these uh, parts of the, the regulations are, are very natural, um, literally, and figuratively, ways of uh, supporting climate climate health, and so uh, we do uh, celebrate organic as having many many practices that are are climate uh, climate smart. And I think it's an important conversation for uh, for the board to to have. Certainly, there are things that are non-organic that are also climate uh, smart but organic really touches so many pieces of the climate conversation from material use to uh, production methods uh, to soil building to water conservation there's so many different ways in organic because organic does um, use sort of site-specific conditions. So if you're in an area that doesn't have a whole lot of water, you can still be organic and use practices um, that are, do uh, work collaboratively with, with local local environments and local realities uh, to provide the organic option while still protecting the climate.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's so important that this industry embrace this because it, We should be raising the bar on agriculture and climate issues, in my opinion, because of what organic is, what it represents. I think it has an opportunity to open up some eyes and ears and minds of of others about what we can do. And I think it's really a very, very important topic for the industry to embrace. And I I commend the work that's being done. I think it's it's going to be a very interesting conversation to be had. And one angle I want to throw at just to, to think about, because, you know, We've got this thing. We've got certified organic greenhouses. We've got emerging ag technology and stuff, and that you know that that changes things real quick in a lot of ways. How's that conversation going? Where is that sitting with everybody in climate smarter? We just everybody kind of coming together, or where are we at?
1: You know, I think um, there are folks uh, in the organic community that um, have not let's just say do uh, don't embrace uh, all of those uh, new. New technologies. Uh, so I think uh, there was a, um, a some legal action that uh, challenged USDA's uh, a decision to allow hydroponics. That legal uh, challenges now. Over um, mm-hmm. and the the courts in an appeal upheld uh, USDA's determination that hydroponics are allowable under the Organic uh, Foods Production Act. I think there is ongoing conversation about the standards uh, related to greenhouses. I think there is uh, and other CSAs. There's an acknowledgement um, that there are distinctions between how certifiers are looking at that. So we are uh, considering kind of next steps with that and what a potential work agenda item for the board might look like. We have not. Published one uh, yet for the board to uh, to look at. I think there are still a lot of conversations um, sure. sort of happening in the community about what those standards could uh, could and should uh, look like. So I think that will be part of the public sphere. Get involved um, uh, opportunity for participation in the future. It, it will. Uh, it's not on the, the formal agenda. That particular aspect sure. of the uh, standards is not on the agenda for this meeting.
0: Yeah, but like I said, I I just think it's it's really important that if, if organic is quote unquote the gold standard, I just think it's important that we keep raising the bar. And I think raising the bar in ag technology is an obligation that we should do because I live in a world, Jenny, in my mind where I'd love to feed all 10 billion people plus the aliens on this planet organic food right? That's always been my goal. Never, you know, so it's, it's a high, it's a high lofty goal. So I always try to hold everything up to a high standard. But I know you do. I know the NOP does and the NSP does. And it's important that we remember that. I think it's just, it's a challenge. It's a challenging topic. I get it. I understand both sides of it. I know where my, mine is. Mine is to feed more people organic food. And, and then let's start the argument with me there. And then we'll go whichever side we take it. But I think it's so important that we raise the bar on ourselves and then raise the bar from that, you know, lead by example. And this is one of those opportunities that we can lead the industry, the food world. By example, and I think it's powerful. So, kudos to everybody for rolling up their sleeves on this. I think it's important.
1: Agreed. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, thank you. I want to talk about regen because there's another crazy topic that's uh, floating around out there that you know, it's another way's deals, right? Yeah, you don't have to be organic to be regenerative, and you, you know, there, you, there's a lot of back and forth. What does it mean? How do we find it? So, tons of com- conversation around it. So, talk a little bit of what's happened with regenerative agriculture conversation at the NOP.
1: I'm going to go back to um, the fact that organic is federally defined and protected. Um, And right now, regenerative isn't, right? And so let's talk about what comes with that federal protection. So the standards are defined. You may or may not agree with um, all the elements of the standards, but they sure are defined and they sure are available. And that's a real benefit of organic. And with that definition also comes federal protection. So if you're breaking the rules, if you are um, selling as organic and you're not certified, you're not organic, we can take federal action organic fraud is a crime and the the feds will literally come after you. Good can't say that about uh, regenerative people are going to come knocking on your door uh, with their badge you know customs and border protection for example recently helped us in uh, blocking an incoming uh, shipment that broke um, the rules on the organic seal trademark so the seal is now trademarked which means customs and border protection can say nope sorry that item can't come into the united states it's not certified it's a misuse of the seal show me something with regen that's going to get stopped at the border uh, yeah. There is a lot of value in that federal protection of a defined term and defined standard. So uh, it isn't just about wonkiness. It is about the f- federal uh, government protecting. Uh, organic fraud is rare, um, but when it happens, we're able to use the full force of the federal government to protect it. And right now, regenerative doesn't have that, that, mm-hmm. that type of definition or, or protection.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some consumer confusion because it's, you know, it's it's like, what is local, right? What is all natural, right? It becomes these, these words that just get used over and over, and people are like, well, that's the word of the day, so I'm going to get it on my packaging because consumers are going to think I'm better than I am. And, and I agree with you. Again, it goes back to that gold standard, lay, lifting that bar up. Um, I think it's going to be really important that we do it. And one of the things I'm concerned about is consumer confusion, right? Because as we confuse the consumer with attributes that In some ways, I don't want to say meaningless because Regen's not, but I mean, until we figured out what it actually means, it doesn't really have a meaning. The consumers start to look at these attributes and go, well, organic, well, it's not that important anymore. Well, you know, maybe it's not that important anymore. And that's dangerous for the industry because, again, I'm all about let's keep raising the bar on ourselves, not lowering the bar on ourselves. I think that's where we win the day in the long game, especially for the agriculture community. So it's it's a tough one.
1: Yeah, I had somebody say recently, and you know, certain things you take for granted, because there's just so much a part of your life. um, But they said, one of the smartest things that was ever done was that it's on over your right shoulder, USDA organic, that the seal has the word USDA in it. And that, you know, there are some organic symbols around the world that don't have, um, you know, that federal uh, designation Mm -hmm. within the label itself. And I do think that uh, really can help remind consumers that, you know, the Power of the federal government is overseeing and and protecting this this yeah. product. So that's the word we'd like to get out.
0: I agree, and again, I, I'm I'm all about quieting down some of this noise because I don't th- because I think it hurts. You know, I I think I think it, it 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 hurts us in the long game. So I'm I'm very encouraged by the dialogue and pushing the ball down the field on this topic. I commend you guys again for doing it. We need it.
1: Yeah, figuring out what are we united on? And what are we going to talk about with a single voice versus what are the dynamics that uh, the questions about the standards that still need to be worked out as part of the process? And so we can disagree on those, but we can still stand united on the seal. And I think sometimes those get conflated as well. I'm not going to say organic is uh, regenerative, because you allow hydroponics. I mean, I'm just, you know, putting it out there. And I just, I, I, I find that uh, it mixes problems. Uh, that organic um, has so many elements that are regenerative. And so let that be the case and let that yeah. let's not muddy that uh, those those waters in terms of uh, consumer protection. We can still have the conversation about hydroponics and containers and all of those things. but we should be one voice that organic works in concert with the environment because that's what the standards require it's there. Um, We just all need to be following it.
0: You know, I a hundred percent agree. And it makes me think back, you know, a thousand years ago when I started in this deal and the, the the first generation real organic farmers here in California Mm -hmm. that were, you know, blazing the trail. And one of the recurring themes is they, they always wanted to put better food on people's tables than they could get, you know, That was really a big thing, like the do better, get better food, make the world a better place through our food supply. And I think that's always stuck with me in in my mind about the importance of what this industry is and the obligation that we have. The the bigger obligation than just our individual brands or individual selves is that we have an opportunity as an industry to change this planet as we've done and continue to do. And we need to be changing in a more rapid fashion because mother nature is changing on her own. And then we need to keep up with that and we need to support that. And I think that this industry has an obligation, an opportunity to do so many great things, you know, but we, your point, we need to sit down with a pizza and a couple of beers and we need to talk it through. We need to solve these things and we need to tackle some big problems and find a way to raise that bar um, and make everybody else chase us. I think that's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful thing to think about.
1: Also, I mean, there are many, many solutions from conventional ag that are also climate friendly. Sure. So I, I I want to make sure that I'm sort of talking about organic as a really important option that is very, very well defined, um, and too. where the standards are written and, and clear. Um, and you know, consumers have those choices of what labels uh, that they mm-hmm. they want. I want to protect the label that 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 I'm responsible for with organic and. Uh, really defending what it says in those, those rules.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing it, you know, I'm not throwing uh, uh, the baby out with the bathwater, picking a no. fight with anybody because there's a lot of smart things that are happening out there, you know, and, and I say this publicly all the time and I'll say it again, because it probably more not my first job is to get you to eat an apple. My second job is to convince you to eat the organic one. I want you to eat the apple because that wins the day for everybody, right? And let's just work harder to make sure it's the organic one. But let's make sure we have a good story behind the organic one to help ourselves too, right? We know that's an important part of it too. Consumer confusion is not something we want to work with because that's that's a death sentence in today's economy and in today's marketplace. So we need to be smart about it. What the else? Standards. Is
1: the standards tell the story. We want to get yeah. that story out.
0: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I, and I love the fact that you guys are looking at it. I think it's just really important. I'm just, again, kudos for doing it. And it's a big lift. You're not doing that on a Thursday either, by the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thursdays are really busy with lots <laughs> of it. Yeah. I would think uh, so. So yeah.
0: what, any, anything else in the meeting, any other topics you want to call out? Anything? I
1: think just seeing each other again will also be good. People seemed so um, uh, just recognizing that meeting in person just has a different, uh, just a a different spirit to it than trying yeah. to Stare at boxes in Zoom, and so I think everyone's looking forward to seeing each other.
0: I do too. I think it's just a, it's a it's a you know it, it's it's being able to be face to face and having a sidebar conversation or grabbing a cup of coffee or just having that time to connect like that it's because you got a big board, fifteen people, a lot of people, right? It, you know, it's that's really important, and you're not getting that in Zoom, and it doesn't unite the board, and you know, it's just important that people get that time. So I'm excited that you all are doing it. So to participate again, let's get it up because I'm going to do it. I'm going to get these numbers right, Jenny. I'm not going to screw up either 18 or 20 on this time. I'm going to bring it up. Public comments are April 18th and April 20th. The public meetings are April 25th, 26th, 27th in Atlanta. Go online, figure out what you can do, how you can do it, figure out how you can watch it on Zoom, participate, but again, the call to action and I'm going to throw back on the table is please participate in this. We need your voice. We need your help. We want to win the day. Let's all do it together, right? Let's all well do it together. Yeah, well thank set. you, thank you. Well, I love it. Well, we got to switch gears here because it's I got some Jenny's mailbag here. I got letters that come in. You know, we started this a bit. People, and and, and full disclosure, why people would send me was like you should have asked her this question. I'm like, well, I, you should have read my mind. Why you know send up a smoke signal? I, how the hell do I know what you want to ask her? She's only this is time number six. If you know, if you thought she was coming after time two to time three, maybe <laughs> throw something at me. So, anyways, I just threw a call out and said, Hey, if you've got something to ask, if you know there's something that you think you want to do, throw it to me and you know we'll throw it out there and let Jenny answer it. What the hell? It's kind of a fun way to go. So I got a couple of them here. Oh, I got okay. one really, really I got one really, really long one that I'm just gonna read you and then we'll go from that one. But you want to start with that one? What do you want to do? You wanna go with the long one? Let's go deep. Go for go it, to Todd. All right, here we go. All right, I got there's so many big words here. My God, this is a <laughs> lot of reading. Anyways, this is from John, and you know who you are, John, and I know who you are. I'm curious. Uh, To what extent brand owners slash marketers of brand um, who farm out all the ingredient, procurement, co-manufacturing, et cetera, will be required to be certified under the Strength in the Organic Enforcement. Um, Can Jenny please provide some examples of activity that either will exempt or not exempt? That'd be cool. So here we go. Say a guy named Johnny, I love this already, say a guy named Johnny has a great idea for an organic lemon bar. He hires a co-packer to do it all, procurement through distribution. Johnny makes the sale, does Johnny have to be certified? If not, say Johnny buys the ingredients and ships to a co-packer or co-manufacturer, still does the selling, does he need to be certified? Say Johnny buys organic ingredients and has them all sent to the co-packer, but the bars only have an ingredient panel claim on the retail product. Does Johnny need to be certified then? There's another one, here we go, hold on. And with storage facilities, is the packaging or the handling activity that triggers the mandates for certification or both? And where's the line on brokers and traders for produce? Does the fact that produce cartons are not sealed make it so warehouses need to be certified? And I love reading all that to you, Jenny, before you start to answer this big broad bunch of questions because I think this is one of the best examples of the importance of the strengthening the organic enforcement and what it means when you talk about a global thing this is a really big question about the whole overall scope of global participation and what you all have worked so hard to do. So I'll shut up because I was a lot of things to throw at you and give you time to process and meditate it.
1: Go. <laughs> uh, it seems to me that Johnny and friends need to get certified. Uh, and yeah. so um, I think we've been talking about participation uh, in things like the NOSB and setting standards. Now we have um, with this new rule more entities really do need to participate in certification itself. And I think that's a big take home here. Um, there, the assumption and uh, everything that you just read, I can't think of, a. oh, well, that's very clearly exempt. Um, We are encouraging full supply chains to get um, certified because that list of exemptions is incredibly narrow. So I'm going to give you a little bit more on the produce one, because I know for your folks, that's particularly uh, important. So uh, first, it is incredibly important that potential businesses really read the rule in full to determine who in their supply chains need to be certified. So so almost all entities need to be certified under this final rule. So I think if there was, oh, well, these people are those people. I didn't hear anything in what you said that sounds like a, a full a full, oh, well, that's clearly an exemption. Um right. so I think uh people should read the rule with the assumption that they need to be certified unless they can find the very, very specific use case. So we are being cautious not to weigh in too, too much on hypotheticals or detailed scenarios because every business is going to be different. So, what the rule does is it's written to help businesses analyze their own activities to analyze or, or assess that need for certification let's dive a little bit into the produce one before i do that though let's um let's see what questions you have on that. right? No,
0: away. no, go, go, no. I'm going to shut up. You're rolling. Okay. You, you go. So,
1: uh, you know, it is actually a good question. Uh, so let's talk about produce handlers and their exemptions. So uh, it does note uh, that an exempt warehouse uh, can uh, receive, store, prepare for shipment packaged uh, certified organic products. And so the question is, well, what does package mean? Um, and so if the warehouse opens and relabels packaged products, Um, what would happen? And the answer is, you're only exempt if they really are fully packaged, being in a sealed, tamper evident um, uh, box. So, let's say sure. I know a lot of produce gets shipped in boxes with holes in it so it can breathe. Sure. So, if, if all you're doing is sort um, of storage or transport of those boxes where there are holes in it, but otherwise the box is, um, it is has a tamper evident seal so no one can tell that uh, you could tell if it was broken in to, that would be an incredibly narrow exemption. But if that box opens, and you have to repack it into another box and you're exempt. That product can't be sold as organic. You've lost right. the ability to sell it as organic. So it's really important to remember that the purpose of the role is to protect back to organic integrity, um, the, organic integrity by not allowing an uncertified handler to complete a higher risk um, handling activity like as splitting lots or repackaging goods. So, you know, warehouses, all sorts of activities can happen in warehousing that it's actually processing, so I I would encourage folks to I know people are out there right now kind of trying to read behind the the lines to figure out how they don't need to be certified, and I think it it is the case where more and more buyers are simply going to demand it because it's easier, um, and there's a whole bunch that happens in a warehouse that's actually handling, um, and in fact I would I I would. Uh, say. There are probably folks out there right now who are uncertified who should be certified under the existing rules, much less SOE. So get in line now. We are now a year away. Uh, from uh, implementation. So now is the time uh, to Johnny and Johnny's colleagues to to go get in line. Because I think the other thing I point out is, do you, is it easier to just get yourself certified? Or do you really want to be fielding calls from other certifiers, from buyers, from Customs and Border Protection, where you have to spend a whole lot of time with your lawyers defending why you fall into an exemption? That could be an awful lot of work to explain to Customs of why you think you fit into this exemption when they stop you at the border because they think you might be making breaking trademark rules. So yeah. uh, I, I do think there are a number of certifiers out there who have um, really figured out how to certify brokers in a very responsible brand owners in a very responsible way that protects integrity without being uh, kind of overly burdensome. So I, I think I trust the process and uh, go ahead and uh, and apply because I think the cases you were talking about there are all cases where certification uh, is either required or simply makes sense.
0: Well, yeah. Well, look—you got people's attention when you start talking about the fact that if a box breaks, like, because produce boxes aren't sealed, tamper evident, right? So, if a box opens up and you repack, and you are saying you can't repack it because it's no longer be certified, that's a wake up call to this industry. Because I am telling you, that is a part of every single warehouse's activity on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, those I often see the light bulb go on when you really think about what happens on a. It's it's just it's any business is going to have all sorts of complexity. Boxes break turns out, you know, or customers change requirements or, you know, a a box gets left on um, the back of the truck or gets left on um, on the concrete floor. And, okay, oh, we need to give that or the, you know, the order changes and you need to be able to split lots. So buy yourself flexibility um, by getting certified. And by the way, it's the law.
0: Yeah, well, there's that too, right? <laughs>
1: there's that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nobody, nobody, need, nobody wants anybody from you know the federal government with a badge knocking at your door at six in the morning, right. Unless they're bringing coffee, but there I doubt they go. will. Right, okay. I doubt they will. No, but I mean, again, it goes. It's I, the first thing that pops in my mind after we talked about this, Jenny, is back to the original thing that we said at the beginning of the show. Participation matters, and if you are not participating, to understand what this is. You can get your butt handed to you if you're falling asleep at the wheel, not understanding what these rules and these changes actually mean. And that's a lot. It's not like it just, you know, it's not like you guys just did one thing. It's a lot of moving parts to this. And I appreciate the question from John, because when he sent it across, I thought, man, this is really in depth. And this really is going to sum up and answer a lot. And and again, that light bulb moment of like, what do you mean? I can't put it in another box. I can't repack it.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would say that um, to your point about public participation, a lot of people participated in this rule. This is a better no. rule than it would have been uh, had we not gotten public comments. And so a lot of uh, sections got updated based on public comments If we need you to explain this. and um, uh, You need to give more examples of this. And we did. We need you to rethink import certificates and how they're issued. And we did. Uh, and so uh, participation works. This is a better rule. And I believe when people actually sit down and read the rule, uh, they, uh, they believe it is very well written and it helps them understand what to do. And that's because of them, because they gave public comments and uh, really helped highlight where in the real world, something wasn't going to be as clear and we need to relook at it. So to and anyone who commented on the rule that's listening, thank you, because that oh, participation yeah. mattered.
0: Yeah. And and, and, I, and thank you for clearing it up. I didn't mean participation that people were a part of the process because it was, a, it was a, a lot going on behind the scenes to get to this point. My point is, is that there's people reading this for the first time in a news release. Or there's people hearing this for the first time going, what do you mean I can't back and buck? It's a real wake-up call <laughs> to a lot of people. And that's where I come from the angle of participation. Like, yes. y'all better start to pay attention to how this works because it's going to affect your business. And the problem yep. is a lot of times when businesses don't see things coming, that effect to their business is far greater than being proactive in the beginning, right, to get control of it. So that's yep. my point about participation. Yep. So if uh, you don't great. know what this is, if we, if we flip on a light switch, then by all means, y'all better read a little bit beyond, you know, the, the 400 page press release because you're not going to get enough information to cover your butts. I'm just and saying. You,
1: and you can participate in the future. We're going to keep on doing rules, so it's never too late to come to the table and have your voice um, be part of the conversation moving forward.
0: I love it. All right, last question from the mailbag. Here we go from Kimberly. What is the singest, I like this question. What is the single biggest hurdle we have to overcome to keep organic growing and strong? That's a tough one. I
1: I do... And this is why I've brought it up so many times on this call, making sure people understand how we're protecting that label to keep consumer trust high. There are a lot of labels out there. And, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a lot of labels there. I want folks to understand why the organic, what makes the organic label different and how we're protecting it to maintain that that trust because it's only those consumers reaching out to pick that product off the shelf that keeps all of us um, uh, farming that way and processing that way. It is ultimately the consumers who make the choice for all of us. And so I think keeping our eye on that, on that ball of um, how do we continue to support consumer trust, both through the integrity of our actions, but also how we talk about um, the seal and define it and what it means and what. It matters the fact that, you know, I tell people um, it just in my family. Like, well, how do the standards come up with that? You just make that up in your office, Jenny. Jenny, if we didn't raise you on a farm, yeah. my parents say, how do you know it? And I say, I don't. But we have a process that pulls farmers into uh, the process and that helps us write the rules, and that's so precious. And so uh-huh. I, I think um, maintaining consumer uh, confidence and trust is uh, the the shared uh, duty uh, for all of us to keep organic growing strong.
0: Well, that seems like a damn good place to wrap this up. It's <laughs> really good to be with you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place. NOSB kids, remember, go online. You can figure it out uh, April 18th and 19th, as well as the 25th, 26th, and 27th get involved. We can't ask you anymore. I mean, we can't beg anymore. Jenny, we're almost begging now. It's getting to that <laughs> point. We're getting terrible at it. But it's so important to be involved. And you've, and you've highlighted so brilliantly why participation matters. So thank you for that. Thank you for being here. You know, you are just one of my all-time favorites. Guests, six visits. Come on, six times on this silly show.
1: Thank you for having me, Todd. It's always a pleasure to be here. And thanks to your audience for continuing to come back.
0: And you have groupies that are sending you mail into Hi, my inbox,
1: my which is goodness. fabulous. <laughs> I love
0: keep it. Keep them
1: coming, folks.
0: I, uh, we're going to keep them coming. We want to keep these conversations rolling. I'm glad this platform's here for it. We're going to keep rolling as long as I got breath to keep breathing. Believe me, because I think it's so important what we do. Thanks again, Jenny. I do appreciate you tremendously.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too.
0: Thanks everybody for being here. Like I tell you all the time, go inspire somebody. It's incredibly important. Like Jenny, hopefully inspired you to go, well, I better read that or I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to have trouble with my business. I hope you do because it's really important, but thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of it. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Jenny, you know why I'm on social media? Take one guess because nobody lies on social media. It's a bastion of truth and goodness. Did you know that? fabulous stuff on there. Anyways, everybody, thanks for being here. Much love. Take care of each other. We'll chat soon. See ya.